At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Today, I want to speak to you particularly from this idea. Today, I want to talk about listening to the voice of God. Listening to the voice of God. Now, I believe that God will still talk to you. Am I the only one? Anybody else here believes that God will speak to his people? Amen. I believe God will speak, so we got to learn how to listen to the voice of God. There are going to be three or four different passages of scripture that I'm going to bring to your attention today, but our primary text is going to be Mark chapter 4, and uh, in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 uh, through verse uh, 20, verse 1 through verse 20, there is a teaching that Jesus gives about the parable of the sower. Now, I'm not going to read uh, those 20 verses, and as I deal with this primary text today, I'm not really going to focus on giving a thorough explanation of the parable. I could deal with this text from that uh, perspective, but the revelation that God wants me to give to you is not so much about the particularities and the in-depth meaning of the parable itself, but how we respond to what God is saying to us. So in Mark chapter 4, let's stand for the reading of the word. Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> Are you there? All right, now let's look at verse 3. Verse 3, Mark chapter 4, verse 3. And we're only going to read one word out of verse 3. Verse 3, Jesus says, listen. Okay, no more. We're not reading anything else out of verse 3. He says what? Listen. L listen. Let's go to verse 9. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, and he said to them, he who has ears to hear let him hear. Now, beginning with verse 10, but when he was alone, that is Jesus, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Again, I am speaking today on the idea, I'm teaching today from the idea listening to the voice of God, listening to the voice of God. As Christians, we are called upon to live a very intimate life with God. We're called upon to live a very intimate life with God. A life 
that is so purposeful and meaningful that we live with complete assurance of who we are in Christ. We understand as the people of God that we were created in the image and likeness of God to give him glory and honor and praise. And now that we understand and recognize the fact that we have been redeemed by God, then we also understand that there is a purpose and a plan that God is working out in our lives to help establish his kingdom in the world. We are not just religious people. We are not persons who are just occupying space and time. But rather we are ambassadors of Christ. Therefore it is our aim and our goal to be fruitful and faithful with what God has entrusted to us. And if I'm going to be fruitful and faithful with what God has entrusted to me, then I must understand the importance of practicing spiritual disciplines. And one of the disciplines that I must adhere to and learn how to live with in my life is I got to learn how to live with the discipline of listening to the voice of God. Are we not told in Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all of thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Just look at somebody tell them we need to listen to God. Yeah, we need to listen to God. And if we're going to grow in the discipline of listening to the voice of God, we must give ourselves to the ministry of prayer. It is imperative that we spend time in holy communion with God. And the reason why we need to spend time in conversation with God is because the more you talk to God and the more you position yourself where God can talk to you, the more you become sensitized to the voice of God. We become sensitized to the voice of God. I, I'm teaching on Wednesdays from Proverbs, and this past Wednesday in Proverbs chapter 9, uh, we are told that, that there's an invitation that comes from the house of wisdom or from the temple, or from the house of God. That God is wisdom, and God's got an invitation to give to you. God speaks to us. There's a voice that speaks to our spirit. The spirit speaks to the spirit of man. God extends to us an invitation. But we're also told in that same uh, ninth chapter of Proverbs that the devil has a shrine. And just like God will give you an invitation, the demonic will give you an invitation. 
And in fact, in Proverbs chapter 9, the same invitation or the words that are used for the invitation from God's house in verse 4 is the same words used in verse 16. So that the devil speaks to people passing by just like God. But we got to be able to distinguish, we got to be able to discern what voice am I listening to? Where is this voice coming from? What's the source of it? And what is he trying to say to me? And what are going to be the implications if I listen to that voice? And that's why every child of God needs to learn how to live with discernment. Discernment is like American Express. Don't leave home without it. Because if you're listening to the wrong voice, you're going to have some major problems in your life. If I listen to the voice of God, that's going to be triumph. But if I'm listening to the voice of the demonic, it's going to be tragedy. And so the more we pray, the more we talk to God, the more we allow God to speak to us, the more we become sensitized to the voice of God. In first, in, in second Samuel, not no, in first Samuel, in first Samuel chapter three, there is this wonderful story about Samuel when he was a boy. Samuel, you understand, was the son of Hannah. Hannah, his mother, uh, she had a challenge in her life in that she was barren. She couldn't have children. And it bothered her something awful that she couldn't have children. And so what she did is she cried out to the Lord. Have I got a mother here today who's ever cried out to the Lord? Is there any woman in here who knows how to just get prostrate and just cry out to God? Hannah cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard her cry and blessed her to get pregnant and to have a child. Hannah had a little boy. She was so grateful to God for blessing her with a son. You know what Hannah did? She gave her son back to God. I just want to just say this parenthetically to every mother and every father is that when the Lord blesses you with a child, it would do you good to give the child back to God. Because God gives us the grace to receive children and he gives us the grace to let them go. And I'm trying to tell you, don't give them back to God when they're 18. Give them back to God when they're two years old. Give them back to God when they're still yet an infant. She gave her son back to God. She did it so uh, seriously, it was so much consecration that her son Samuel grew up in the temple. He was under the tutelage of the priest Eli. He was a boy in the temple and his mother, she and her husband would bring clothing for little Samuel to wear as he was growing up in the temple and ministering in the temple when he was yet a boy. Samuel began to grow and as he grew, he not only grew physically, but he was also growing spiritually. God had a plan for Samuel. God had a purpose for Samuel because Samuel was going to become a prophet unto the Lord. So one day while he was yet a child, a youth growing up in the Lord, God spoke to Samuel. Samuel didn't understand because again, I'm going to tell you, you got to grow to recognize the voice of God. You got to grow to become sensitized to the voice of God.
So when the Lord spoke to Samuel, Samuel thought it was Eli calling him. So he got up out of his bed, he went to Eli and said, what do you want? Eli said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you called me. Eli said, I, I didn't call you, Samuel. Go on back to bed. Samuel went back and laid down again. But again, God spoke to Samuel. Samuel gets up out of the bed again. He goes to Eli, says, Eli, what is it that you want? Eli says, Samuel, I didn't call you. Go, go back to bed. Well, again, here's a third time. Samuel hears this voice again. Samuel gets up, comes to Eli. Eli, what do you want? Eli says, Samuel, I don't want anything. Son, I didn't call you. But, Sam, but Eli said this time, I tell you what, Samuel, you go back and lay down again. But if you hear this voice again, this is what you do. You say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears you. And, and God gave Samuel a, a, a vision and a prophecy that God says, I'm going to bring judgment to the house of Eli because his sons have done that which was wicked in my sight. And when you read chapter 3 of 1 Samuel verse 19, the word of God says, so Samuel grew, he grew, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. When God's got a word for you, it ain't gonna be for naught. It ain't gonna fall to the ground. Somebody needs to hear me because I'm trying to tell about five of y'all when God speaks to you, what he says is gonna come to pass. You gotta take serious when you get a word from God. Verse 20 says, And all Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet to the Lord. Ain't that something? All the way from Dan to Bathsheba, everybody knew that Samuel had been called by God, that Samuel would be a prophet unto the Lord. Now that's in the Old Testament, but now if you go to the New Testament records, we also receive spiritual insight and revelation on the significance of listening <coughs> to the voice of God, and we study it in the epistle of James. So if you're turning your Bibles with me to James chapter 1, Look at James chapter 1. Make sure you keep your Bible open and turn to James chapter 1. I'm still a preacher who believes in the Bible. And look at James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. The word reads like this. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James is speaking to us about the significance of listening to the voice of God. And James says listening to the voice of God involves careful attention. Wake up and write it down on your heart on a piece of paper that, that listening does what? It involves 
careful attention. I'm not making it up. It's in the text. Verse 19, that, that first phrase, so then, my beloved brethren. That phrase, so then, my beloved brethren, is a phrase wherein, wherein James says, listen. Because listening involves careful attention. If you're going to hear what you need to hear, you need to pay attention to what is being said. And so when James says listening involves careful attention, it is followed poetically with three demands. It, three demands. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Those are three poetical demands that says to us is that when you give careful attention to the word of God, you're positioning yourself to receive a revelation that will be life-changing for the living of your days. And I need to help somebody here to understand that there is a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is a physiological um, process, if you please, or a physiological uh, moment where your ear receives an audible sound. Period. That's it. That's all hearing is. That's it. Hearing is a physiological uh, process where the ear receives audible sound. Period. That's it. Listening, though, is a process where a person then makes a selection on what they have heard audibly and makes a decision to do something about what they have heard. I'm going to say it again. Not because I'm stuck, but I'm trying to help somebody move forward. Because somebody here right now, you think you've been listening, but all you've been doing is hearing. And because all you did was hear and you didn't understand the difference between hearing and listening, you didn't do nothing about what you heard. You're teaching up in here today, my Lord. I know I am. Hearing is just a physiological process whereby an audible sound comes into your ear. But listening is where once a sound comes in my ear, I make a selection on what I have audibly heard and I make a decision to do something about what I heard, which means then I have listened. But James says that listening not only involves uh, careful attention, but James also says that listening involves a careful response. Listening involves what? Careful attention. But listening also involves what? Careful response. Listen to what he says in verse 21. 
Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay, let's look at it again. Verse 21. Everyone shout, therefore. Let's stop right there. Do you know what therefore is? Therefore, uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if, 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 if you talk to some of our uh, school teachers in here today, they'll tell you what therefore is. Therefore is a conjunction. And a conjunction means on the basis of. So James says, therefore, on the basis of what you have what? heard on the basis of what you have received because you were what? You were listening. On the basis of that, then listening requires, it, it involves careful response. Not only does it involve careful attention, but it involves a careful response. Therefore, if I'm really listening and I've heard what I was supposed to hear, then I got to do something about what, what I heard. I can't hear it and then do nothing. When I hear it, it demands a response. God ain't speaking to me just to talk to me. When God speaks to me, he wants me to respond to what he's told me. He wants me to do something about that which I have heard, listened to, or I have received. So on one hand, there's a negative that I'm going to do as a response. I'm going to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Tell somebody, some stuff got to go when God talks to you. Because when God speaks to us, he's bringing about cleanliness. When God speaks to us, he's bringing about consecration. When God speaks to us, he's speaking to us so we move in dedication and move in devotion. When God is speaking to us, he's speaking to us so that we can grow in sanctification because God is a holy God. And he calls us to live holy lives. And you may not like the term holiness, but you ain't got to be a part of a Pentecostal church to be holy. That's the call of God on everybody's life. The Bible says God is light and in him there is no darkness. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we are a lie and we do not tell the truth. I didn't say it, the Bible says it. The Bible says draw near to God and God will draw nigh to you. Now you may be comfortable playing with God. You may be all right faking it. But all of us ain't faking it. Some of us want to be close to the Lord. Then God says if you're going to be close to me when I speak to you, there's some things you got to get rid of in your life. Get rid of all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. But then there's a positive. I've got to do something about what I heard. And the positive is receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. Get off your high horse humble yourself 
Quit ego tripping. Quit thinking you Wonder Woman. Quit thinking you Superman. Quit thinking you all of this, a bag of chips and a dip and a Milky Way bar. You, you ain't as bad as you think you are. Humble yourself and tell God, I need you. Boy, what kind of life would I live if I would just go on and acknowledge that I really do need God? What kind of life would you start living if you really lived like you need God? I know we say we need him, but it's one thing to say you need him. It's another thing to live like you need him. Yeah. With meekness, receive the implanted word that is able to save your soul. And if you keep on reading, James would go on to say, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Right now, God is making an impartation in my life and in your life. Right now, God is giving you and I a word. The question is, are you humble enough to receive what God is saying to you right now through his word? That's the question. So now that takes us to our primary text. Takes us back now to the Gospel of Mark. And when you read the Gospel of Mark and you read this parable, <clears throat> it's a parable about the sower. Mark's gospel is the gospel of action. And you remember, Jesus had been in Capernaum. He had been at a, at a particular house. And people had flooded the house. Jesus was teaching and Jesus' popularity had gotten so strong that people came from everywhere. They couldn't even get in the house. A man was paralyzed from his head down to his toes. But he had four friends who were determined to get him to Jesus. They tore up the roof of the house, lowered the man down. Jesus heals the man of his paralysis, delivers him from the issue of sin. But he's left that house now, and he's come to the shores of the Lake of Galilee. And the crowds have followed him. Jesus sits in a boat facing the crowd, the crowd is among the seashore, spanned around like in a semicircle, like you all are sitting before me. And Jesus is in the boat, and he's going to teach them in the boat. He's going to speak to them parables, not just this one, but there's several parables. And you read uh, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, you read of several parables in one chapter, Matthew 13. And all of the parables are talking about one thing, the mystery of the kingdom of God. The mystery of the kingdom of God. And it's Jesus, and listen, there's a diversity of people there. Men, women, young and old, people from different ethnic backgrounds. It's a diversity of people there. In that crowd, there are some people who believe what Jesus is saying. 
So they keep believing, so they're coming to faith. But in that crowd, there are some other people who do not believe. They have rejected his teaching. And so they are becoming more hardening, hardened, if you want to please, in their heart. But Jesus, he wants all of them to become receptive to what he has to say. Because Jesus is the word that was made flesh and he knows that the words that he's speaking to them contain life. So in John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He wants them to listen. So I'm not going to break the parable down in terms of all of the particular revelations of the parable. I'll do that on another day when I teach the, the parable itself. But the focus of what God told me to tell you is listen. Listen. I mean, when you read the Bible, you got to get in the book. So use your spiritual imagination. Can you not see Jesus? He's sitting in a boat on the shoreline there at Galilee. Out in front of him is a throng of people, just a great crowd of people sitting like you are in a kind of semicircle. And Jesus is getting ready to speak these parables, and particularly in this case, it is the parable of the sower. Look at him. Listen to Jesus. Before he really dives into the parable, can't you see him? Can't you hear him? He says, listen. And you can even hear the pause. He doesn't say listen and then rapidly start explaining the parable. He says, listen, and he pauses because he wants them to catch the command. The command is, I need you to listen. I'm gonna ask again, is there anybody in this house who still believes that God speaks to his people? Let me see your hand, if you, if you believe God speaks to his people. I, I believe he speaks to his people. One of the reasons I know he speaks is because he has spoken to me on many occasions. And how does God speak to us? Sometimes God speaks to us through situations in life. He will use a situation to speak to you. Sometimes God speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through circumstances. He really does. Sometimes God will speak to you at night in a dream or a vision. But everything that you see or hear in your subconscious state ain't God's voice. You, you can't eat pizza 
ice cream and hog malls and then not see something crazy at night. That ain't God. You ate the wrong stuff. You can't put all that together and then think, you think you ain't gonna have a nightmare? You gonna see Jason and Freddy. <clears throat> but God speaks to us through different mediums. Stay with me. I said God speaks to us through different mediums. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to that person, I don't know where you are. You've been so religious but you haven't been a Christian. You, you've been coming to church, but you have no walk with God. So you haven't heard his voice because you were not listening. And I'm trying to tell you that what I'm talking about ain't magic. What I'm telling you, it is, it is, it is, it, def it definitely involves mystery because you see the only way you know something about God or whatever you do know about God God had to reveal it to you because you don't discover God God has to reveal himself to you so if God has to reveal himself to me it definitely involves mystery and God will speak to you the way he speaks to us primarily is through his word. Let me say it again. The way God speaks to us primarily is through his word. So if I have a situation in my life or circumstance in my life and I get aside by myself and get still and I begin to meditate about it and I'm saying it looked like God was speaking to me through this situation. The way I can confirm slash affirm as to whether God was speaking to me is I go to the Bible and see if biblical revelation will underscore what I think I heard from God. Because the authority of whatever I hear from God is always to be validated by his word. Situations don't have more authority than God's word. God's word has the authority. Sometimes God uses people to speak to us, but people don't have more authority than God's word. God's word has the supreme authority. So my responsibility and my calling as a pastor, I serve you as a prophet, priest, and pastor. Those are the functions in which I serve you. I serve you as pastor, as prophet, and as priest. And every time I come before you on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night and I get in this word, I can stand and look you in the face and tell you there is a word from the Lord. Because that's the calling of God upon my life. And the purpose of me giving you that word is given to us in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave different gifts to the church. Verse 12 he says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The purpose of me teaching you right now 
as I do every Sunday, is to edify you, that is to empower you, that is to build you up, that is to make you spiritually strong. Why? Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There has to be a holy discontent in every man and every woman who says they are a Christian. If you say you are a Christian and you have no desire to grow, you have no desire to get closer to God, all that means is you may be religious, but you have no relationship with God. Saved people have an insatiable thirst and hunger for God. As the, as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Talk to us, Jesus. Blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for he shall be filled. If you have no hunger, if you have no thirst, all that means is that you're not saved. And I know you ain't never heard it like that because maybe most of your life you've been in a church that was playing. But God doesn't let you get to one that ain't playing. Because I'm not here to tickle your fancy. I'm here to help you become what God wants us to be. Verse 14 in Ephesians 4 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. The purpose of me giving you this word is so you can't be duped. So you can't be seduced, so you can't be tricked. Let me make a public announcement right now. I ain't going home with you. And the real question is not who are you and I in this sanctuary. The question is who are you when you leave the sanctuary. Teach Malone, I'm going to do it. Whether you say amen or not. The question is not who am I in the sanctuary. The question is who are you and I between the Sundays. And I told you a few minutes ago, the devil will speak to you. Unclean spirits will come against you. Some of the folk you rubbing shoulders with between Sundays and between the sanctuary oftentimes are unclean spirits. And if you don't know who you are and if you don't know where you stand and if you don't know how to sift and discern between truth and falsehood, between righteousness and wickedness, you can be deceived. My call and my responsibility is to so put this word in you that the devil can't keep on yanking your chain. I think one of the problems of the church today is the church's inconsistency. The reason why we can't reach people more who are unsaved is because they can't see enough definable and distinguishable difference between them and us. You keep telling me I need Jesus. You keep telling me I need to come to church. I could buy into that 
if I saw a real change in you. But you don't look too much different from me. Maybe the only difference between you and I is that I'm going to hell and I'm admitting it and you're going to hell and praying for it. At some point, the church got to become real. And you can't get real unless you're going to listen. You got to listen to God. Yeah. Jesus says, he says, listen. That's what he says. And then after he says, listen, then he tells his parable. It's a very simple parable. What is a parable, pastor? A parable is simply a life story that has a spiritual revelation. That's all a parable is. A parable is a life situation, a life circumstance that then becomes a, a metaphor, if you please, to give manifestation to a spiritual insight. That's a parable. And, and to my sons and daughters, when you teach a parable or preach a parable, don't try to allegorize everything in the parable. A parable has one central meaning. Find that one central meaning and then explain it. So Jesus took something out of their own cultural setting. He said a man is going out sowing. He's got a bag tied around his waist, and in that bag he's got some seeds. He's walking through the field. He reaches in the bag, and he begins to toss the seed. The seed is going to fall on the ground. It's going to fall on different types of ground. Seed's going to fall on some ground that is shallow, and the birds are there, are going to come, Jesus said, and take the seed. Seed ain't going to get to grow and sprout because it's on shallow ground and the birds take it. Jesus says some of the seeds going to fall on uh, some hard ground and uh, that ground, the seed ain't going to be able to get no depth in it. So then when the sun comes out, the sun scorches the seed and the seed is going to die because it never got a chance to grow. Then Jesus says the man keeps tossing seed he says the seed's going to fall on the ground. It's going to have thorns and thistles. And the thorns and thistles are going to choke out the seed. And that seed ain't going to produce either. He says, but some seed is going to fall on good ground. And it's going to have some depth to it. And it's going to grow. It's going to produce some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Now that's the parable. Very simple. Seed is the word. The sower is the one who is casting the word. And the word's going to fall on different kinds of ground depending on the condition of your heart. The parable is very simple. And after Jesus tells the parable, now at the beginning, what does he say? Listen. And then at verse 9, he says, and, and, and he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what he said. 
twice, beginning at the end of the parable, Jesus focuses on authentic listening. Authentic listening, real listening. Jesus says, if you're going to get to where the Father wants you to be, if you're going to become all that God wants you to become, you must learn how to practice the spiritual discipline of listening to the voice of God. Yeah. I'm almost through. Every Sunday, I stand here and I give you a word. A word from God. A word from this book called the Bible. I don't come to give you a word from the Courier Journal. I don't sit up and listen to CNN all night and then come talk to you about current affairs. Although I want to be informed as to what's going on in the world and let the word speak to you. Uh, I don't come to tickle your fancy. I come to give you a word from God, from his Bible. The word I give you does not have its origin in me. It's a word that comes to me from the spirit of God as I lay before God in prayer. So I don't stand here to entertain you. I stand here to speak truth in your life. I come unapologetically to bless you. I come to give you a word that will spiritually fortify you, lift you, put you on a higher trajectory for your life. This whole series is believing God for the best. And I'm telling you, your best days are ahead of you. And your best days are ahead of you if you listen to God. And the only question is, are you listening? Every Sunday I stand here, are you really listening? Are you, do you have a heart that's open to receive what God is trying to deposit into your life? Are you open to the impartation? Or do you sit here Sunday after Sunday and hear the word and you walk out and you keep living the same and you don't do anything with it? You make no response to it. You're not trying to change. Because in your mind, you're okay with being religious. I can use God's name. I can call myself a Christian, but I ain't got to try to live this. Is that you? Is that you? Or are you the person that's saying, God, I thank you that I didn't have to stay where you found me. And I thank you that I got the opportunity to become more than what I used to be. You come to church every year at the beginning of a year in January. And then the year goes every year until the Lord comes back and we get to December, which means the year has come to a close. The question is, where am I in December as opposed to where I was in January? And if December comes and I'm in the same place, Something's wrong. Because for 52 Sundays, I came, set under word. Word was presented to me. And I'm at the end of the year. I'm no more committed, no more consecrated, 
No more dedicated, more, no more devoted. Prayer life ain't changed. Study life ain't changed. Service life ain't changed. I was going through the motion in January and I'm still going through the motion in December. All that means is that you didn't listen. That's all it means. Because ain't nothing wrong with the word. Ain't nothing wrong with the word. Ain't nothing wrong with the sower. Unless he's acting a fool. And there are some acting a fool. I said uh, this past Wednesday, I might as well say it today. I was watching YouTube and listening to some folks speaking on YouTube. And I'm saying to myself, what, what are you talking about? Well, where is your theological training? How are you exegeting this text? How are you getting this out of the text? And I got so tired, I said, what the hell are you talking about? Now don't start tripping, you done said something far worse than hell. <clears throat> But I said, I ain't listening to this trash no more because this is going to corrupt my spirit. So as a preacher, I'll be the first to admit that there's some foolishness in pulpits today. But outside of that, outside of that, ain't nothing wrong with the seed. Ain't nothing wrong with the sower if he or she is serious about their calling. The question is, are we listening? Now, now, I, I, can, I conclude this teaching today. Thank you, God, for the word you gave me. At the end of this parable in Mark's gospel, go back to verse 10. When Jesus was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable that he had taught. And this is the response Jesus gave. He said, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, which means everybody don't get it. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that and hearing they may not hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now when you read that, it sounds like that Jesus is intentionally trying to keep some people from receiving the truth. But we get some help in Matthew's gospel. Because I told you, Matthew tells the same parable. In Matthew chapter 13, you get a chance to read that whole chapter. It's just filled with one parable about after another. And all the parables are about the kingdom of God. So when you look at Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 10, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now listen carefully to what Jesus says in verse 11. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. If you're saved, one of the reasons you know you're saved is God allows you to receive the revelation of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. Now what is he talking about? Look at verse 12. For whoever has... To him, more would be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, 
even what he has will be taken away from him. Now there's the meaning. Let me have your eyes and your ears. You need to listen to me. The person whose heart is open, you are receptive to Jesus. So Sunday after Sunday when God speaks word into this house and you have the right kind of heart, an open heart, and you say to God, I want to receive your truth. Jesus says to that person that what they have more would be added to what they have. You're going to get revelation on top of revelation every week. But then he says, but to the person who sits in here and your heart is not open to God, you are not receptive to his word. You don't pay attention in church. You ain't listening. You got your mind on this, that, and the other. You're doing everything in church but listening because your heart is not open. He says then, you don't receive revelation. Listen to Jesus. I ain't making this up. He says, and to the one who does not have he says, even what you have is going to be taken away from you. Now, let me let the word of God seal what I just told you so you'll know I ain't making it up. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and look at verse 26. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. This is a sobering word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Are you there? Because I'll wait till you get there. Because I want you to see it. Because I'm a biblicist. I'm a, I'm a preacher who still believes in preaching, teaching from the book. I'm not the one that's going to give you his opinion. I'm going to give you what God has to say. Now, what did Jesus say? If you listen, if your heart is open and receptive, that the revelation you have, more revelation will be added to it. The person who rejects Jesus, rejects his word, even what you have, that's going to be taken away. So look at what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Let me pause. For if we sin willfully, it wasn't by accident I did it. I did it willfully. I knew what I was doing and I made a choice to do it. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, Truth been put in front of me. I know them between right and wrong. I know them between what is holy and what is unholy. But I make a choice to do it even after I have been exposed to the truth. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And I close my Bible. If you keep coming to church and you harden your heart and you don't take God serious and you don't listen to his word, a day 
will come and you will not be able to receive his word. Because through time, you keep coming to church and you just keep playing with God, you keep ignoring God, you keep turning a deaf ear to God, there's a hardening. But after a while, that hardening gets harder and it gets harder and it gets harder until you can no longer receive the revelation of God. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that ain't a good place to be. That ain't a good place to be. So I conclude this teaching by telling you that when we talk about listening to the voice of God, there's a spiritual exercise that's good for us to practice. And that is when God speaks to us like he spoke to Samuel, we need to say, Lord, thy servant heareth thee. Speak to me. We need to say, God, I've heard your word, and I'm ready to respond to your word. God, I heard your word, and I want to take your word and do something with it so I can live a victorious life, so I can live a fruitful life, because God, you plan to do great and mighty things in my life. God, the man of God told me that we are believing God for the best. He said that my best days are ahead of me, and God, I'm receiving everything he said, so God, I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to draw close to you. I'm going to take your word and let your word become applicable to my life. So I don't know about you, beloved, but I can look at you and tell. I come to the garden alone while the dew drops are still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on mine ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share while we tarry there, none other has ever known. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.